Welcome to the Paradox Walk podcast, specializing in glitch in the matrix stories, paranormal activity, UFOs, cryptids, dream realities, or any strange and out of the ordinary experiences. I like to tell stories of anything that makes you think or is completely out of the ordinary. Today's episode will be focusing on mirrors, mirrors and dreams, mirrors and how they might be able to transport entities or who knows what they can transport back and forth across different dimensions. And a story of a Wendigo or rake. It's difficult to tell those two things apart. Some people think Wendigos have antlers on their head. A story of one of these creatures that was stalking kids. Kids that were lighting off fireworks and jumping on a trampoline. First story here will be what we were talking about with the mirrors. Uh, Many of us have seen the slightly disappointing Matrix Part 4 where they used mirrors to jump in and out of the Matrix. There seems to be some kind of uh, truth to that if you look into... A lot of these paranormal things and stories like that involve these uh, mirrors and things coming in and out. It makes me think of maybe that's why there's so many like hauntings like at department stores and places where they sell clothes because those big, huge, full-size mirrors. Bathrooms seem to be a big thing where people say that they have some kind of paranormal type encounter. Even Albert Rosales, the famed humanoid documenter or archiver, he like archives all these humanoid encounters that people have some are even like ufos based he has a story and he tells it when he was a real young kid that he i think just went into the bathroom for something and he looked in the mirror and he said he saw like a spanish conquistador in the mirror and he knew obviously that guy's not in the room you know so like he kind of looked around and there was nothing there and then he turned around and i guess it just kind of after a while disappeared like you can hear him tell his story on some of these interviews a lot of times when somebody asks albert rosales about his like if he had any paranormal like activity he talks about that the first story i was going to get into was this i guess it was a factory some type of factory they don't say what type of factory it is but it's it was in i want to say somewhere like northern europe and i guess uh one guy that had like this upper office he was like an overseer of the factory or either they let him go or he wanted different hours or something something came up where he quit they got a new guy in and the new guy took over his office and he ended up either like taking off the management or taking off all the workers or and there might have been some kind of drama like he did something that was like highly disruptive and the company got rid of him and quickly called the other guy back and he took it back he gets to his office and he had two really creepy mirrors that were facing each other so on the left side of the room was a i think in his words they were kind of creepy and then on the right side on the opposite so his desk was in between them both and he thought that that was odd, but I guess the first day he didn't want to do anything with them. I guess he just like left them there. They're just mirrors. No one would think to take them down or do anything with them. Real quickly, something happened where he started to just get super drowsy really, really fast and fell asleep really, really quick. And he just like put his head down on the desk. And when he he started to feel something, I think pushing on the back of his head or like pushing his face into the desk or something like that. And, I, and he uh, tried to take his hand and like fight it off of him. And he was by himself in this office. And when he did, it, he, he felt like this arm was like really, really strong. And I don't know what ended up happening where he like turned around and looked and he saw it was like a spirit darkened, almost like what we would call like a shadow person or something like that. And when he eventually like fought this thing off or saw the thing like go into one of the mirrors, use the mirror to leave. And then uh, I think in his desk, he ended up finding all these occult symbols, like little medallions and stuff like that. So I guess the guy before him that took the office did this on purpose. I think the guy, the first thing he did was got rid of those mirrors and stuff. That made me think of this story. It was uh, called 
the unfortunate profession of Jonathan Hogue. I don't want to give away like all of the story because I would recommend you can just listen to the audiobook online. It's pretty good. It's really interesting. I'm trying to explain this without doing too many spoilers, but eventually this guy ends up, it's almost like a mystery. Like this guy's trying to figure out what this guy does. This guy's like losing his memory every day. And people are suspecting this Hogue character of being like a really bad guy and all. And people around him are starting to figure out something really shady is going on with this guy. And this book was written, I think, in the 40s. Eventually what they end up doing is the people trying to solve this mystery are getting warned by different people here and there to stop searching this out, stop looking in this direction, almost like an adjustment bureau type thing, like strange men, business suits coming in. Don't be looking into Mr. Hogue and, you know, don't talk to him, blah, blah, blah. And if you do, something bad will happen to you. Eventually in the story, they end up finding that mirrors in their house are being used by adjustment bureau men in black type things to just walk in i don't want to give away too much of it but they end up taking the main character and pulling him through a mirror and he ends up at this business board meeting room like a board meeting room of a big company and that's where they pulled him into sat him down you know give him the whole like we're gonna threaten you type speech they do something where they take his wife trap her body essence but leave her body like alive shove him back into his house using his living room mirror so they take him in the board the boardroom and just push him into the back into his living room it's really interesting the way they do it in the book they kind of describe it and then there's some references to these so-called men that run this huge company as being like half bird half men or they are birds and there's a strange little uh, speech in this book where they just go on like it's like they almost are saying code words or something and they're just like businessmen and you come to find out that they're a lot more than businessmen in a boardroom at a big company that they're they're something else i wonder how much of that is true in in our world have any of us uh worked for any company and the people that were the bosses seem to not be human <laughs> does that ever happen to anybody before um check episode one here and also any stories like that, I'd love to hear at Paradox Walk Podcast at ProtonMail.com. So something that I always thought was kind of fascinating about these some of these things was like, what does a mirror actually do? Well, what it does is it bounces light. If you think about other things that bounce light, it's either like the surface of water or a metal. And what does a metal have? A metal has a lot of magnetism or what people call electricity, but electricity, what it really is, is it's the North Pole and the South Pole magnetism in motion. And so it's that same power of a magnet, that same thing that you feel that like is two magnets pushing against each other is the same thing that is flowing through a wire. Because what, what does each magnetic or electrical generator have in common? They always have some kind of magnets inside that are spinning over and over, or they have something that's an acid melting a metal. So why would those two things be something that creates electricity unless it's something the acid pulls out of the metal and then it's done? But the difference is, is when something is spinning with a magnet, the magnet always recharges itself like instantaneously and it never runs out of energy. So they're milking that system of a magnet. That magnet never runs out of, that's like it's juice and it like pulls it from somewhere else or whatever. So that's the same type of thing is happening with a mirror. I don't know exactly the details or how you can get that to work like that, but that same thing is the same thing that makes a metal shiny is the same thing that makes a mirror like reflect your image, it seems like or the same process is happening of some sort. 
So this is a story that was sent to me by somebody that experienced a couple strange things with mirrors. This guy started reading these astral travel books from his local library. He says either when he was in high school or just got out of high school, 18, 19 years old-ish. And one of the things that he mentions that was really strange about these books, or one of the books in particular, the author tried an experiment because the author mentioned something along the lines of, he wanted to try to like move physical objects from the astral body. He started by thinking about turning on a, a light switch from the astral dimension like before he got back to his body. I guess this guy was kind of like an expert at all this stuff. And uh, right before he went into his body, it was about two or three seconds later, the light would go on even though like he did it some time back. And a similar story is reported on Reddit, which is strange. Um, a man saying that he woke up after an astral travel and s turned on his shower. And he, he like, you know, just, you know, when you wake up in the morning, he, I guess he was like flying around in the astral world or whatever. And then he like woke up in his body and he just walked over to the bathroom and started a shower. And he was like getting ready for his day. And, you know, when you're in the shower, sometimes you move around or like grab the shampoo or something. I guess this guy put his hand on his wall, you know, the wall of the shower when he put his hand on the wall, he actually fell through the wall and started like falling through like the inside of his house. And then he like fell right back into his body for a second time. And he woke up for what he thought, he thought it was like a false awakening. I've heard a lot of stories about this, like for, from people that like leave their body that they have false awakenings. Like they'll get up and they'll go somewhere and do something. And then they'll find out that, that they're wake up again and do something again. Like, it, like things like repeating and stuff like that. Like it, it's not just this one guy. So the weird part about this story is the guy actually wakes up, goes into his bathroom, and he finds the light on and his shower already running. So let's explain that, right? To get back to the first guy's story. So he said that in this book where this author tried that light switch experiment, the author listed off like three main methods for so-called astral travel. The author said the easiest was to just basically figure out your dreaming when you're inside of a dream, like a lucid dream, and just kind of fly around. And then it's widely thought by a lot of people that when you have a dream that's lucid and you're flying around, that you're basically astral traveling and you just don't know it. And you're pretty much there at that point. The second is to lay on your back and relax and just pop out. I guess that takes some skill or whatever. And the third that seemed really strange was to go backwards and down out where the skull meets the spine. This was one thing that the guy telling the story thought was odd. And he just thought about this part of the book like years later. I guess he had a rough day at work. He lived alone in his apartment. He just laid on his back and he was tired. He said he was completely sober. It wasn't on anything. Didn't even smoke weed. And he, he laid on his back and he said he was on his back for like five seconds. And then he just thought about that part of the book. And he maybe thought about trying it for like two seconds. And he said something like pulled him out at that exact spot, like pulled him down and out right where the spine meets the skull. This guy did not fall asleep. He said, I did not fall asleep because I have a hard time sleeping anyway. All I did was lay on my back and thought about this book. And he said he was on the ground floor of his apartment and he went down anyway. And when he turned around, he said that he saw like a structure that looked, resembled Stonehenge in England. And this guy was in the United States. And I asked him what you know, to describe all this scene. And he said, it's like, if you took a drone and like flew it over Stonehenge and there was like 10 guys in like fancy robes, like in a circle at Stonehenge, imagine just being like flo floating above it. And he's, he said he knew it was like some kind of dream, but he couldn't understand how it happened. 
these guys, he said, were like beckoning him like, oh, come here. We're friends and blah, blah, blah. And they were kind of directing him to go into the center of the structure. So he floated down into the center of the structure and he was like, well, what's going on? And he said instantly one of the guys pulled out a full-size mirror out of nowhere. He said a second ago, the guy, nobody had mirrors. And, and a second later, a guy pulled out a full-size mirror and just rushed him with it and pushed him back. And he was like, oh, this doesn't seem right. And he's, so he turned around. And when he turned around, the other guy with the fancy robe, like he, I, he described these robes. He said they, were, they looked like royalty robes, like some were black robes, some were white robes. They had different colors and they had like gold trim and they were really fancy looking. He said it looked like something like a king would wear, like a royalty or something. But anyway, so the other guy behind him pulls out a full-size mirror and rushes him too. And then the guys from the sides like all joined in and he said, I couldn't get past these mirrors. And I couldn't get past these guys. And I was being pushed down uh, and into the center of the ground of this pit. He said that he said in the middle of this stone structure was a pit. And he was getting pushed into this pit. And it scared the crap out of him. And he said the only thing he could think of was to imagine myself. He said because he still remembered he was dreaming this or something like in one of these books was going on. And and he said nothing in any of these books like prepared him for anything like that. He said this was all within a few seconds of just laying down and he said the way he got out of it was he he said to himself like i'm smaller i can make myself smaller than any one of these molecules in any one of these mirrors and he shrank he said he shrank himself down into a microscopic like pinpoint and he flew through the mirrors and he flew through everything and just went he's like i just went right back to my body and he said he still went up he still went up to his body and went into his body and and he jumped out of bed. And one of the other things that he mentioned after this was that when his feet hit the floor, he said that it felt like underneath his feet that these guys were still kind of watching and targeting him for any other time if he was ever going to try something like that again, that they would, he thought, he's like, there's no way I can prove that. But it seemed like that for, they were waiting for him to try that again or make that mistake again. He's like, even though he didn't really do anything wrong, I asked him, like, did you do something to somebody or did you do something wrong? Or And he said the only thing he can think of is that these guys were just uh, trying to trap people or they were, like, pure evil or something like that. He had no, like, enemies or anything that he could think of. He He thought that if he ever did something like that again, that his little trick, they might be wise to it and it might not work. So that kind of scared him. And he said he never like purposely tried to astral travel or try anything like that in the books ever again. He said like, like if he becomes lucid in a dream or something, like there, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. But he said purposely trying to do this stuff was something that he would never do anymore. So that's bizarre. But this next one, he goes on to explain another uh, situation that's kind of similar but a little less dangerous it seems this email goes on to explain a dream he says that he was dreaming that his uh, cousin and him were they found like a tunnel and this was a dream went through this tunnel or he felt like he was called to go through this tunnel is what he says and him and his cousin crawled in and then came out another side to woods with two girls 
that were had like this clearing in the woods and he said it looked like there was like a little campfire there he said two girls were there and the weird thing was in the dream right there there was another full-size mirror he knew that there was like a back history with one of the girls and him like they either they dated or she was like an ex-girlfriend and that the other one was that girl's like older sister or she was kind of like the leader of these two the strange thing about this what has to do with mirrors is that he said that there was a mirror there a full-size mirror again he says but instead of them using it to like um trap him or try to do anything weird they said that this campfire was in the center of of this like clearing that they had and the full-size mirror was pointed at the fire and he couldn't figure this out, but he he felt like it had something to do with him having that tunnel in the dream and him feeling like he's supposed to go through it. And it was like their way of like calling him to them. So he walks up to this girl and starts talking to her in this dream. And he was like, like, hey, how you been doing and stuff like that. And he says that she acted like she was like sort of happy to see him, but also kind of angry and he, he he made it sound like like the awkwardness of running into an ex-girlfriend that you didn't exactly have a great relationship, but not like a painful breakup is what he kind of ex- explained it as. So she, he calls it like, like she kind of like wavered back and forth. Like she was kind of mad at him at the same time as somewhat happy to see him. And at, at this point, the sister comes up and says something to him about them breaking up. And he doesn't remember what it was. But he said that he, his natural thing was to defend himself in a way like he didn't do anything. He, this is what he was saying to the older sister, like, oh, I didn't do anything wrong. And, you know, I wasn't cheating on anybody. You know, just sometimes people break up. What he says is like, it was that last comment, like something along the lines of sometimes people just break up that set off the older sister and she i guess she felt like like how dare you hurt my little sister type of thing and she felt like she had to be the protector of this situation and and this triggered the older sister and she runs at him like a linebacker he says and just smashes him down and he says like she hit me like it felt like i got hit by like a like an nfl linebacker and he goes flying back and he falls on his butt in this so-called dream and she walks up to him and takes his watch like a wrist watch he had on and somehow she like swiped it with like one swipe and this ended up being kind of the end and he he doesn't even know what the point of it was but his point of sending this to me was to just kind of explain that there was this strange back history first of all between him and the girl so he kind of made up these little conclusions at the end like maybe this was a real life breakup and he was prevented from knowing who this was and maybe in real life like there was a sister like into some kind of weird witchcraft or she read something in a book or something like that. And that was her way of like, it seemed like they were going to try to get revenge. And then when, when he showed up that they changed their mind or something like that. And he, he didn't really understand all of this. And I don't think we ever will. But how weird is that, right? That there's two of these situations with the same guy where he had these weird dreams where he kind of was like brought into the situation against his will. And both times there's like full size mirrors. One time was at like a stone structure and another one was involved fire. So just weird. Right. And I don't, it's, it just, some of these things, they just seem like, well, you're just dreaming this stuff, but really, are we, how many times can you have like a dream with like a back history in it that you don't know anything about? 
I've just heard more and more like weird stories like this after, I don't know, 2010, 2011, 2012, or like sometime after like 2008, all the people like thousands and thousands of videos on YouTube of people having the same dream of two moons in the sky. Just do a search of dream of two moons and there's like thousands and thousands and all my life until 2008 i've never heard of anybody having a dream of two moons in the sky and then all of a sudden after 2008 2009 there's like thousands and thousands all at once uh kind of makes you think more meaning than a normal dream dreams used to just be like just kind of weird stuff that you probably thought were symbolic now it's just like like a james bond plot with you know a 20-year back history preloaded in it or what i mean by 20-year back history or something what i mean by that is they don't know these people in real life when they go into the dream and they meet the person they say that there's like this huge back history that it makes no no sense to them in the regular life but when they go into the dream they have this like huge back history with the person also, I've heard of people doing that with towns, like they go into a place and they know the town and completely other languages too, and languages that aren't even heard of on earth. Uh, one guy said that he went into the city and he knew all the people and he knew everything and he, they started speaking a language and he knew what the language was called and he knew that when he woke up, he knew that there was no such language, but they called it like Trahanza in the in the dream, but he thinks it wasn't a dream for some reason. Like these things keep happening more and more, it seems. And it's, I call these things, I don't know what to call it, except back history. It seems like it's a new thing, like in the a, a phenomenon. The last thing I was going to read here is a this weird Wendigo story. It seems like these guys, these were the ones I was talking about where they were uh, having a party. And the guy actually mentions Wendigo at some point and they're playing around and lo and behold one just magically shows up right after he talks about it not a coincidence right i don't know what that is i don't have any theories on that but i know there's a lot of people that think like we speak things into existence or something and i don't know what if it's the other way around what if it's i don't know how to say this but what if it's something in the subconscious of somebody knows or is picking up on like one of these things is close by and then that type of uh thought kind of comes into their head then they say it uh like i've heard somebody that calls out music that he wants and it shows up at this this job he works or these like books that he's interested in reading like the next day he'll show up what if it's the other way around what if like in his subconscious he knows or he's picking up on like those movies or books or is on its way and that makes him say it you know it's like a friend of mine that was talking about some music or a tv show that he liked that could be the other way around. I mean, I just wonder why we can't like make things come out of what we say 100% of the time. We can't pick up on these like mind reading type things 100% of the time. Like what's the difference between, you know, a day when that happens and a day when that doesn't happen? Um, that's the real trick, right? That's the real um, like holy grail of paranormal research or psychic research. But I'm not really into a lot of like psychic stuff. But so I don't know maybe it's something we eat you know who knows i don't think that's 100 percent because i can't speak myself into a pile of money well, we'll see what i can do if that happens i'll i'll have a very awesome podcast coming up so here's the story quote yesterday i spent the night at a friend's house i will call them sam and bob for privacy and all the names will be changed it was sam bob jeff and i sam and bob are brothers Anyways, Jeff and I came over and brought our dirt bikes, so naturally we went the day we spent the day riding. 
We had quit riding around 7, keep in mind eastern Kentucky, there in eastern Kentucky, in the middle of the woods and farmland, because Sam and Bob's family are loaded with money. Since we had finished riding and it was getting pretty dark, we decided to light off some fireworks. But Jeff had the idea to have a Roman candle war. In the middle of the war, we were grabbing new candles. We heard a whoosh, which ended up being a used Roman candle firing a shot into the grass. But we didn't know that immediately. And Sam made the comment, that was probably a Wendigo. Under which Bob and Sam get in a huge argument about if Wendigos really live in Kentucky or not. This blew up and ended with resolving it with a pillow fight on a trampoline. So after we we're all gassed out, we decided we should spend all we should all spend the night on top of the trampoline. Around nine or ten-ish, Jeff and I spotted some coyotes at a tree line across the road from us. We all went inside because I freaked out because I'm I'm from the city and I don't like wild animals. It also stunk really bad. It smelled like a dead rabbit or a dead deer. Probably the coyotes got something. So we all go inside but leave the pillows and blankets on the trampoline. After about an hour inside, Sam tells us we forgot the bedding on the trampoline. So we go down the stairs towards the trampoline. I'm behind Jeff grabbing the back of his shirt and he has a flashlight pointed straight. I'm looking to the right towards past the road looking for the coyotes. But I hear a thud sound to our left. I look over there and there's a line of trees of four trees parallel with us. They're shaped in the V starting at the base. I don't see anything, but I tell Jeff to point the flashlight over there and we don't see anything. So he swings it straight and we and keeps walking. I hear the thud this time, but this time Jeff also hears it. It is much, much, much louder. It's still to our left. Jeff swings the flashlight in between the second and third tree in the row and it's walking straight with us, not at us, but towards the same direction we were going. As soon as the flashlights land on it, it's behind the third tree now, and it effing stands up in the middle of the V of the tree. It stood about four or five heads taller than me, and I'm five foot nine. It was incredibly skinny, as in I could see its ribs through his skin, which was a bright white, not a fluorescent white, but when the flashlight hit it, it it definitely had a glow. Its eyes were the scariest part. Two big reflective orbs that were dark gray, blackish. But here's the catch. They were reflective in a sense. Like the eyes illuminated the flashlight back at us. Also, his hands were gigantic. His fingers wrapped around the tree trunks. And they're super long. Jeff looks over and I scream and he just stand still and I turn around and he's still standing but he dropped the flashlight I still have his shirt in my hand and I yank him hard and he just takes off in front of me I sprint past him and up the back porch stairs and he falls on the stairs and I run to the door and open it and wait for him as soon as he runs through it I slam and shut and lock the deadbolt and shut the curtains and jump back onto the couch Sam and Bob were putting their socks and shoes on when we ran inside because they heard me scream, my effing lungs out. Jeff is standing on the couch and he starts babbling and tell him and tell him what he saw. And I started hyperventilating. I have anxiety and asthma, and I had an asthma attack. I haven't had one in years, and I stopped carrying my emergency inhaler for long a long time ago. Sam is bewildered, and I start crying while I was having my fit. I cried for almost an hour, and I didn't fall asleep until almost 3 a.m. I woke up and I packed, and my parents came and scooped me up. So now I'm writing this from my house. If you have any questions or answers, please tell. God bless you all. So uh, some of the comments were kind of interesting. So someone asked, 
Can you find any pictures on the internet or drawings? Did it have hair? Did it seem like human intelligence or animal? And then she says, no hair, freakishly skinny, bald. It moved really effing fast as it went from walking beside along with us to leaning against the tree in a flash. That's why I thought Jeff was effing dead when he tripped on the stairs. It seemed calculated, but kind of interested. Like it wasn't malicious, just staring at us. So another guy wrote, recently moved to eastern Kentucky, and this post has me rethinking my future camping plans. Glad you and your friends are safe. These thing, There's story after story of these things. I don't know. I don't have any like super insights on them. So one of the ones I heard was when these things, even though it's skinny, they seem super strong. One guy said that he saw one come out of some kind of like sewer thing one time. And I think he worked with like the sewers. So he was like, well, I'll just put something on there that's multiple hundreds of pounds that somebody that skinny could never move. And I, if this story is to be believed, the guy said that he, I guess this was like a regular thing. Like he kept seeing this thing where he had to work and then he put this big lid on top of one of these sewer things. And it was like a super heavy one. And he said this thing just like pushed it up. He saw it push it up and throw it. The biggest guy could hardly do that. And this thing was as skinny as like a little twig. So these things is, uh, I've heard of these things getting hit by a car. And the person said that they saw it get up and like, even though it was kind of injured, they were just like, there's no way that thing got up and walked away from how hard I hit it. There wasn't any damage. Maybe their genes are just totally next level. What if there's something in genes that could actually interact with something in the next realm that we're not seeing and give super strength and give these regeneration powers really, really quick like that? I'd like to thank everybody for checking out the podcast. Remember to click the RSS feed so you can be notified of everything. My Patreon is Paradox Walk, so just Patreon slash the word Paradox and walk, like you're walking down the street. The music has been Downbeat 88, all one word, like Downbeat, and then 88, like 88 miles an hour, 88 piano keys. So hope you all enjoyed everything, and be sure to check out the next podcast coming. It should be weekly or bi-weekly, so thanks a lot, and hope you all enjoyed. Have a good day, bye.